Hello, this is Dan Eaton. I'm a reporter with Columbus Business First. Over the coming weeks, we'll be sharing conversations that we've been having with area business owners as they navigate business amid the new realities of the coronavirus. This is the first of those conversations. It's with Joe DeLoss, founder of Hot Chicken Takeover. In it, DeLoss discusses why carryout didn't make sense for Hot Chicken Takeover. He also talks about how the company is caring for its employees in the meantime and the challenges that it expects to face in the future. Please listen and tune in in the future to more discussions with area business owners. Thanks. Joe, thank you for joining me today on this Monday. As you know, we're reaching out to uh, businesses to get a sense for what the last few weeks have been like, what are the issues you're facing, what are the concerns you're, you're trying to deal with. With that in mind, I thought maybe the best place to start would be to, to ask you what your initial thoughts were when the dine-in restriction kind of came down. And then over the, the course of that first week, you had the evolution from trying to still operate to deciding to to close the restaurant. So I was wondering if you could walk me through both the initial thought process and then how that week shaped what you're doing now. Yeah, so it was, um, I, we, we had anticipated that order coming between, you know, being able to have some access to leaders and gain, you know, little tidbits of intel. We were already having the discussion about that component of our business being turned off. And so I think we were probably on like a 24 to 48 hour kind of uh, strategic cycle every time those changes were rolling out. And so um, for us, that, that first cut was a pretty big blow given, given the type of experience we provide. And in our segment, we find that we're, we're probably doing about 20% more traffic dine-in than many of our peers. Uh, and from industry reports, just because of the a focus on hospitality, mm-hmm. and so it quickly became, as you you indicated, how do we how do we do this in an in a limited format to stir, still serve our food but keep our our team and our guests safe? And so so we shifted quickly to a carry out only mentality, compliant with all restrictions, but it was, you know, those days were really nuts, just trying to figure out how to roll with it and adapt operationally. But what we found is the community was was really gracious, um, both in the way they were supporting us and the volume of transactions, but also in the patience they had for us kind of adapting as we went. And so was appreciative for that. And, and what we found in, and ultimately why we made the call is we operationally weren't prepared to manage so much carryout demand without putting our staff at risk of not maintaining appropriate distances from one another. Um, and, and that's ultimately why, why we made the call to, to halt operations altogether. And as you said, this was something that you thought might be the case going, going, in, going into that week. Right. So was it more just uh, trying to see what you could do and then realizing, hey, this this isn't going to work? Yeah, we're all, you know, everybody's doing the best they can, of course. Mm-hmm. And, and on our team, we had a lot of people really kind of hungry to keep serving and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, providing hospitality. And it really came down to a, in a, an executive and strategic decision that if we can't do it safely, by our team, then we, we can't do it safely by our guests. And, you know, when you're building 
real estate pre-COVID-19, the place where you think about adding space is not your kitchen. Uh, and so most commercial kitchens are literally engineered to be the smallest footprint they can efficiently, you know, to, to meet whatever demand you have. And this is an, an inherent conflict in the way kitchens are designed and social distancing. We've had a few discussions about this already, but, you know, workforce is, um, like, you know, everyone hopefully cares about their workforce and their, their, their employees. Um, but, but your commitment to your workforce is, is baked into, you know, what yeah. you do. It's, a, it's, a, it's essential, as essential as the chicken itself. So what, moving forward now, what are the considerations you, you've had to undertake for your employees? What are, what are some of the things uh, that you're doing to make sure that they are cared for, helped yeah. in, in, in the best ways possible moving forward? Yeah, a lot of, um, I mean, a lot of restaurateurs were very quick to do layoffs. And mm -hmm. I, under, I, I mean, I understand the, the mentality and the orientation. We weren't, we weren't ready because we couldn't do that quickly without, you know, having a plan in place to support our team. As you said, the creation of our team was the impetus for our business to start uh, to begin with. And so what we became immediately most concerned about is how do we create income continuity for our team in the event of a layoff to ensure that their last wage from hot chicken takeover and their first receipt of any unemployment or government benefit, um, that that gap wasn't so wide that they got caught a cycle behind in income. And so um, we relied on a lot of existing benefits we already had in-house um, in terms of match savings accounts and other programs that were kind of long since a part of our employment mm -hmm. strategy, that we started tapping into those discretionary pots to allow team members to pull down those benefits with fewer restrictions to create income continuity. Um, and so it, that took us a few days to engineer. And, and ultimately, we built kind of an internal web page for our team members to outline all of those benefits to ensure that they uh, could maintain stability and continuity through this transition. We also, you know, in terms of sequence, though there were, was talk of greater federal benefit that be passed down through states in terms of the CARES Act, none of that was determined at that point. Mm -hmm. So all of our decision-making was really focused around like maximum unemployment benefit for most of our staff. Um, and then we maintained for anybody that was participating in our healthcare program, um, the business maintained all those payments and took those all ourselves uh, to ensure healthcare continuity as well. And now that we're a couple weeks into this and you've had employees, um, uh, I assume, be, be able to pursue unemployment, have you been able to, to bridge that gap? I mean, how... You know, yeah. you, you control what you can control, but there's some outside factors here. So what are you hearing from your employees? Yeah, so we've, been, yeah we, we've maintained a really heavy amount of communication with our team members. Um, we essentially structurally suspended everybody's hours, but did not do a layoff where we were eliminating jobs. Okay. Uh, and, and so there were a couple different approaches businesses could take in those moments. The approach we took was we're going to suspend all hours and in, in income so that people can qualify and become eligible for those benefits. But in terms of hiring people back, we wanted to minimize the kind of the hurdle that we'd have to cross at that point. 
Um, and it's to be determined, you know, was that the right call? Sure. Uh, things are changing so quickly, but that's the call we made. What we've heard from our team members, mostly the, the best resource we've been providing is helping people navigate unemployment. Mm -hmm. And so because those systems were inundated, you know, we were working to support team members so they had access to technology so they could make those applications at odd hours of the day when less demand were on the unemployment servers. Um, but mostly it's been about information, less about less about income, uh, which I think is a good out, a, a good outcome. Good. I'm realizing I, I've kind of made a little bit of an, a, of an assumption here in, in our conversation, and that is that people know who you are and what Hot Chicken Take yeah. does. But but for those who maybe maybe don't, I, it's probably worth taking a step back and reminding folks of um, yeah. your mission and your employees. So Hot Chicken Takeover is a fast casual restaurant chain based here in Columbus, Ohio. We also have a restaurant up in Northeast Ohio and are starting to build out that market. We intentionally built our brand to create meaningful employment opportunities for men and women that have had a lot of adversity in their lives. Many of our team members have been directly affected by uh, the criminal justice system, um, by addiction or by homelessness in the past. And we all come together in this kind of really quirky family to serve really kind of true Southern and Midwest hospitality around spicy Nashville style hot chicken. And so that's really our concept. We've got four restaurants open now and had some more on the way and figuring out what that looks like too. <laughs> now that you're not operating a restaurant day to day, a restaurant that's open to public, I, I, should, I should say, uh, you're obviously still operating the company. What have the days been like in the last week and, and going forward? Yeah. What, what is what is the work been? So um, we're taking kind of two approaches to this. And, and one is to use this really unprecedented opportunity um, to be a bit of a bowl when everybody's going to be a bear. And so we're, we've kept engaged many of our strategic team members on some projects that would have otherwise taken us all year to complete. And so new menu additions, uh, reconfiguration of some things in the restaurant, mm -hmm. some kitchen and facility repairs, all things that are a lot easier when you're not having to do it in real time. And so really unusual opportunity to be able to reset and just, and so we're, we're taking advantage of that to service our restaurant facility as well as pull off some really big strategic initiatives. And so that, that's one bucket, you mm -hmm. know, which we're aptly naming Project Phoenix at Hot Chicken, which is, uh, you know, to, to emerge stronger than we went in to this crisis. The second piece is we, we've taken kind of a lead role in mobilizing some community resources to provide food for people at risk. Mm -hmm. We're doing that with a lot of restaurant partners and other brands to try to bring, to, to create some flow of traffic into some of these underutilized kitchens as well as meet needs for people at risk in the community. And so we've, mm -hmm. we've done that. That campaign's called We're All In This Together and have done that with the likes of Pelotonia and Jenny's and now Fusion and Mikey's and a whole bunch of other great mm -hmm. brands town that have come online. Give me a little more on that. What What is some of the work that's being done in terms of, as you said, putting these kitchens to, to use? So I know yeah. it's still maybe early days, but... but yeah, so right, right now it has really been around the, the community-focused effort to raise funds and figure mm -hmm. out how much of a pot we have to allocate to fund these meals. And so at this point, that's been going really well. Um, we'll 
it seems likely that we'll hit our target goal, which should enable us to create about 20,000 meals for at-risk folks. So let's say that campaign's over and done with the second phase of this is really mobilizing the restaurant partners. And mm -hmm. so all participating restaurants have offered rewards to people on the front end to give us funds, mm -hmm. uh, but they'll receive uh, basically a reimbursement of $6 per meal equivalent, which if you know anything about any of the participating restaurants, um, this is a, a really severe discount on any kind of customer facing you know, product, but that, that will enable people to fully cover their cost of goods sold, mm -hmm. the cost of their labor, and get really great meals out to community partners. And so that fulfillment effort is a much bigger lift. Um, we're realizing as we get into it. And so that, that's both mobilizing the restaurants, but also mobilizing the community partners that need that food. And so whether that's a Life Care Alliance or Food Rescue US that are doing distribution, that's really the piece of the puzzle we're trying to solve for. A business question. So yeah. you have leases, you have investors, you, you might have loans, I, I don't know. How have your communications been with uh, those partners? I know that's a, an issue facing a lot of restaurants or business, all businesses yeah. is, is what to do with rent, um, how to handle loans. Uh, so what are some examples of the conversations you've had and, and how are your partners responding? We've taken the approach of kind of full transparency uh, with all of our partners. And so our investment group is getting, uh, are getting frequent kind of updates from me, both written and video updates mm -hmm. that's easier to pre-record and distribute out. Um, in terms of kind of our vendors, we've spent a lot of time on the phone with them working out how can we best uh, draw out money or defer money we might owe. Um, and that has been really fruitful for us. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of people invested in our success beyond just our investment group. And so, um, but that has been a pretty tireless effort of uh, those first, first two weeks of just trying to figure out where the dust was going to settle and talking to everybody. Um, the difficulty we do have is we have leases outstanding mm -hmm. um, that much of the proceeds and the investment capital we were going to use to open those restaurants is getting temporarily suspended given all this economic uncertainty. And so that's something we're working through. Just so I'm clear, I know there, at least publicly, there, there was yeah. a, a Westville Polaris restaurant in the works and, and it sounds like there might've been others as, uh, there are other, other, yeah. <laughs> other locations as uh, well. Uh, but but there so are, they're just essentially like on hold, I guess, what's the, yeah. yeah so like yeah, we've got, we actually are under construction in Westerville. Yeah. And so we've temporarily suspended construction, both because our construction partner is also uh, sheltering at home. Mm -hmm. And so that's on a temporary hold, but um, we are, we, we do intend to open Westerville mm -hmm. and um, just have to do some financial engineering to figure out how to do that if our investment commitments don't, don't come through. Gotcha. And that sounds like that's a concern, right? That the investment may not come yeah. through? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have no, kind of no ill will towards yeah. any, any partners that have said, are, we just have to suspend our commitment because mm -hmm. we're not, not sure what's happening. Because we, we feel that uncertainty too, uh, of course, and feel that personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. And so um, it is a concern that we can't uh, rely on those funds and those commitments. And so right now we're, I, I'm essentially operating as if those commitments are not going to come. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm also just trying to be prudent and conservative for the way we financially plan to, to survive as a company. Some relief, some federal state level yeah. um, relief is it's now coming together. There's starting to be more accessibility, visibility on some of the options that are out there. Have you um, pursued anything on that front yet? And if so, how's that process going? Yeah, we, we initially started pursuing the disaster loans mm -hmm. uh, that were kind of the first thing unveiled. At this point, really looking at the um, payroll protection program mm -hmm. and the 7A initiative. And so um, the disaster preparedness or the disaster relief loans just didn't align much in terms of the amount of proceeds we could get from those to materially do the lift of underwriting. Mm -hmm. And so we're a lot more optimistic about the new programs that are emerging and are excited to see underwriting kind of regs on that uh, as soon as they evolve. You talked about projects going on uh, in the restaurants now. How many of your employees have you been able to actually sort of keep working at this time on some of those? Yeah, so at this point we've retained all of our salaried mm -hmm. team members. Uh, managers as well as kind of support center staff. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go back to one other thing about employees. Um, what are some of the resources that you're providing to them? And it's in it because I know it's also yeah. beyond, it's beyond financial. There's, there's financial aid there, but what are some of the other resources that you've wanted to make available to, to people on your team? Yeah. And you're welcome to, you're welcome to link out to our resource yeah. page. And so that's both kind of our communication thread with hourly staff as well as this list of benefits. Mm -hmm. And so carrying kind of healthcare enrollments was a, a critical piece of that. This adaptation of what we call our match milestone program is essentially a match savings program. Mm -hmm. That previously was used for things like investments in transportation, housing, healthcare. Um, we've essentially eliminated the match requirement or allowing people to tap into those funds tied mm -hmm. to direct hardship they might be experiencing for income continuity or whatever. We did do a, a, a kind of an a, adapted crowdfunding campaign with on our, on our web store where mm -hmm. our customers could tip, essentially tip our staff virtually. Um, that created almost like $9,000 worth of proceeds that are going out on this next payroll, which is really exciting as an added perk for folks. Um, and then we've maintained full access in terms of our team and communication in terms of helping people navigate the support they might need out in the community for all of our other benefits, counseling, addiction, mm -hmm. treatment, all of those things. We've continued to operate whether somebody else, whether or not somebody's getting hours, we've maintained that full benefits network to ensure stability through mm -hmm. the this hardship. Looking forward, I mean, uh, obviously this is a unpredictable time to say the least, but, but what do you imagine, what's your job going to be in the next few weeks? You know, over the next few weeks, we are leaning heavily into improving our business in this mm -hmm. kind of unprecedented moment of downtime. And so I, I'm excited to, to be able to contribute optimism and light in the moment of a lot of this darkness, feels great as a team to just be continuing to move things ahead. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is where our team is mobilized around, this kind of Project Phoenix. And beyond that, it's really about kind of the financial engineering, um, relief funding to the degree available, but really navigating how we continue to maintain our momentum that we had going into this. And I'm excited to, I'm excited to do that. And I'm at the helm of navigating that internally. One other thing uh, before I let you go, how 
how difficult will it be to to restart the restaurants if you know when that when that time comes because i know that's a conversation i've heard from a lot of restaurants out there is that getting going to get again is it's an investment yeah when you i i mean we're we're planning for this essentially the same way we plan for our new restaurant openings mm-hmm. and so the amount of product you have to purchase is you know those are huge initial mm-hmm. kind of outlays of cash um, and for us, you know, we're interested in um, how easy it will be to, to, to bring our team back. With some of the, the relief programs that are out, the reality is for, for many of our team members and in our industry, uh, people will gain more income than they otherwise had working. Um, and in some cases with the uh, provision in, in CARES, if that becomes applicable here in Ohio, people are receiving almost double their normal weekly take mm-hmm. until those benefits expire, it might be difficult to to bring people back into the fold. You know, we have kind of a fiercely loyal and committed team, and so we're hopeful that the way we care for people will will show in those moments too, and the way they care for us. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot lot to be figured out. Can you think of anything I haven't asked you about? Again, just wanted to get this snapshot of your last couple of weeks, and you know what's a what's on your mind, what you're dealing with today. Yeah. I mean, it's nuts. And, and so you're, you've probably experienced that just trying to keep up with covering it. Um, Fair, fairly minor issue in the scheme of the world, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we're just trying to find the best ways we can to care for our people and, and ultimately get back to caring for guests. And so um, we'll keep navigating that and rolling with it. I, I, I think what gives me a little bit of relief at this moment is that we're at least entering kind of a new normal for a short period of time. I'm mm-hmm. just knowing whether that's limited re- restaurant operations for some operators out there, or in our case right now, fully suspended operations. This is this is where we're at right now, and um, it at least gives you an opportunity to hit a, hit a new stride. And um, we're trying to lean into that as best we can at Hot Chicken Takeover. All right, Joe. Well, thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time today, and uh, we will chat again soon. Yeah, looking forward to it. Take care.